0: Good afternoon. On behalf of Mayor Harnick, I, Niamh Ortega, Deputy City Clerk, convened the Palm Desert City Council, successor agency to the Palm Desert Redevelopment Agency, and Palm Desert Housing Authority meetings for October 13th, 2022. We did not receive any written public comments for closed session items. If you would like to speak on a closed session item, please raise your hand using the raise hand feature on the Zoom app. seeing no raised hands the meeting is adjourned to close session at 301 p.m. okay it looks like we're ready to go all right uh, i'd like to call to order the palm desert city council successor agency to the palm desert redevelopment and housing authority meetings to order uh, on Thursday, October 13, 2022. May we have roll call, please.
1: Mayor Pro Jonathan. Present. Council Member Kelly.
0: Here.
1: Councilmember Member Nistandy.
2: Here.
1: Council Member Quintanilla is absent. Mayor Harnick.
2: Here.
1: Uh, we have a majority of council present. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, we'll now have the Pledge of Allegiance from Councilmember Nastandy and our inspiration by Councilmember Kelly, please. Okay. Please
3: join me as we honor our country and our flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
4: Since we were last together, uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, has been celebrated, arguably uh, the most significant holiday in the Jewish faith. In both the Jewish faith and the Christian faith, Atonement can, I would say, return, a restoration. Uh, to best practices and relationships. We also celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day, which calls us to reckon with the fact that our history has not been marked by best practices or relationships with Indigenous peoples. As we are prompted by the reflections these holidays occasion. May we be inspired to give thanks that in the city of Palm Desert, we have been preceded by many leaders who have given us a positive example of best practices and good relations between all peoples and may we be inspired to follow their good example and build upon it as we undertake our work this evening for the benefit of all. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh,
0: we will move on is, was there any reportable action taken in closed session?
5: No, Madam Mayor. Uh, direction was given, but no reportable actions were taken. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, I wonder if, it, well, let's go to awards and presentations and then we will follow that with housekeeping remarks on um, how the meetings are held and how people can participate. So our first uh, presentation is the Palm Springs International Airport Commission update. And you are unmuted it appears. So please, uh, make that
6: report. Hello, everyone. Nice to see you all again. Um, so let me give you a quick update on what's been going on at the airport um, in broad strokes uh, there's good news and there's bad news the good news is that Palm Springs is growing really fast the the airport uh, Palm Springs airport is the fourth gra- fastest growing airport in the nation um, according to a recent report in simple flyer in uh, .com so there were uh, almost 150% as many seats available for sale uh, this October as compared to October 2019 so we are uh, well past the the pandemic dip and uh, and even exceeding our our 2019 figures by a lot the bad news that comes along with that is that in the short term it means we're going to be dealing with a lot of growing pains at the airport. Um, uh, A significant part of this uh, has to do with the past airport management and commission's approach. Uh, The management and the commission in the past took a, a fairly reactive approach to our growth and delayed maintenance until it was truly necessary and new projects have been arriving too late to keep up with the exciting growth that we're having in the Valley. Um, I think probably the the foremost example in uh, people's minds, um, people, residents may have heard in the news recently, about problems with the new $7 million baggage handling system, which was installed last year. Um, KESQ has a very good detailed write-up online uh, about what's going on there. But in broad strokes, the system is not performing at its design capacity. And even if it were, we would be projected to outgrow it sometime next year. So that's one example of, of how the past underinvestment is colliding with our present growth. Um, in regard to that, I think one thing we, we really want people to be aware of is that if they're traveling during peak times, which is going to be starting next month, November, going basically through May uh, between the hours of 10 a.m., and 2 p.m., they're going to want to check in if they're checking luggage a bit earlier than they're used to. Uh, the airport uh, management is recommending two hours prior to their flight departure if they're they're leaving in those time periods. Um, so, as I mentioned, our the past underinvestment in the airport is colliding with our present growth. And it's actually really hitting all over the airports um parking is reaching capacity during peak uh times um even uh outgrowing the overflow parking lots um so baggage check-in uh, as i just described that's the baggage handling system security screening you'll see it's very crowded in there and it's it i don't know if it's impacting the time for screening quite yet, but certainly your wait times to get into the screening itself is increased. Um, It's impacting restrooms. There's challenges cleaning the restrooms during peak hours because obviously when people are using the restroom, it can't be cleaned and the, the, the number of restrooms in the facility is not quite enough to handle our peak traffic it's impacting baggage claim as we as we talked about uh last time I saw you guys um so there's there's more flights at peak hours arriving than there is uh you know space at the baggage claim system to accommodate the flights so there's extended delays um, it impacts rental cars, where the the peak lines at rental cars is kind of outgrowing the infrastructure of the baggage claim and rental car area. Airport management is doing the best that they can with band aids, and they're they're really. Um, they, they have a lot of pressure from the commission and I think they're doing everything they possibly can. But the real the, the reality of the situation is that all these things require capital projects to catch up to current conditions, let alone to handle the future growth that we're projecting. Um, in the long term, we do have an opportunity to use the airport to drive economic growth in the region. And so that's really, I think, what we should try to focus on. Um, The current airport management and the commission are moving towards a more proactive approach. And so over um, the the next six weeks, we're actually going to be developing the master plan which will guide the airport's uh, long-term future and that probably won't get updated again for another five years so now is the time if uh, we want to provide our perspective on the future plan for the airport uh, now is the time for us to to provide that Um, a couple of things that have been on my mind in that regard Um, I think one really key question is uh, we have to think about how we want the airport to get connected to the Coachella Valley San Gorgonio Pass rail corridor service project that Mayor Harnick and others have been working hard to bring to fruition. Um, If we do nothing, we'll probably be having vehicles, cars and buses uh, going between the rail station and the airport, but wouldn't there possibly be some more efficient solutions, for example, light rail? Um, Another thought that's been on my mind is how will light electric vehicles fit into the airport's future? Uh, and I'm I'm talking about you know scooters, e-bikes, and something that might be more looking like a golf cart. Um, uh, this is you know a future that's on our horizon, and I think we should think about how those will fit into the ground transport infrastructure of the airport. And one more more interesting thing to consider that almost feels a bit sci-fi is vertiports. Um, This is uh, a new type of of aeronautic infrastructure that would be designed to handle a new type of uh, aircraft called an electric vertical takeoff and landing vehicle. You can think of it like an electric helicopter or like a big giant drone that can carry people. Um, this future is really happening now. The FAA, the FAA has already released guidelines for uh, infra- infrastructure development of these types of facilities, and companies. Um, uh, various companies have development timelines, which expect it to be widespread within eight years. Um, one example of of a company is uh, a spinoff of Boeing that is investing a lot, and they expect it to be widespread by 2030, these types of vehicles. Chicago already has a vertiport. Uh, Rome just opened Italy's first vertiport. And Los Angeles is thinking about this and trying to figure out how to plan for it right now. And it's something that we should probably start thinking about as well. Um, and then the last updates uh, that I have for you, just want to go through the recent and current projects of interest that people might want to know about and as well the, the future projects which are under consideration. So uh, recently, CLEAR uh, started operating at Palm Springs Airport. Um, they provide a, a sort of fast track security service. Um, some people might have been familiar with it or, or already be customers who are Valley residents. Um, we also have uh, a new concession vendor that's being selected at the moment. Uh, proposals have already been received. Um, that's uh, The concession is the food uh, and beverage services. So the coffee shop, the restaurants, and as well the, the shops like uh, the little Shop that's up at the top of the stairwell in the in the Bono concourse. Um, hopefully, there'll be some local brands being represented represented in this new uh, concessionaire contract. Um, so right now, they're we're, they're currently uh, in the selection process to decide which proposal will be finally selected. Um, and then, as far as future projects, which are under consideration. Um, to to keep on your radar, we have uh, under consideration is a multi-story consolidated car rental facility. It's uh, probably a $250 million project and it could potentially include a multimodal transport hub, which would be for for kind of buses uh, mainly. But, um, you know, maybe we want to think about the possibility of light rail as well
0: great thank you so much you know and i was just thinking there's so much information that you provided perhaps uh writing some of that up and then we can put it on our website would be extremely helpful for our community members
6: okay great yeah i can see my notes um there's a couple more items would you like to skip those or Shall I run through those real quick? About, if you can, um, it,
0: let's have brief comments, absolutely.
6: Sure. So then the the other last five future projects to be aware of, um, they're looking at expanding the check-in area and concurrent with that, the, the kind of uh, baggage handling system and TSA screening of baggage that happens behind the check-in area. They're looking at expanding the bag claim area Um, Creating an employee parking lot to free up space in the main and overflow lots and covering the existing parking lot with solar uh, generation and slash shade and potentially putting in more electric vehicle charging infrastructure.
0: Great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Okay. Thank you for representing the city there. Take care. And you too. Thank you. Okay, if you notice on your agenda, it does say we will be having a a proclamation for Rosemary or Rosie Casals. And we are going to postpone that to our next meeting, which is uh, on the 27th. So we look forward to be able to present her with a proclamation and say thank you to her. Um, At this time, we'd like to go to city manager comments.
7: Thank you, Mayor. Um, I would like to turn this over to Thomas Sowell to uh, bring the council up to speed on a couple of initiatives that he has been working with some regent committees on. So, Thomas, I'll turn it over to you.
8: Thank you very much. I'm going to quickly share my screen. Because I would like to give you a little update on the 50th anniversary. Um, I, I'm excited to share with you the 15th anniversary logo, and I wanted to give you a little bit of background on that. We've been working with Idea Peddler and the marketing committee on this, and um, the logo that we settled on was unanimously chosen by the marketing committee, and to help, ooh, there we go, the, uh, to give you a sense of, of what they were looking for as we chose this, this logo. Um, they looked at a different some different criteria. They wanted to make sure we used Palm Desert colors. They wanted a clean design. They wanted it to be easy to reproduce, have some fun energy, and something that tells a story. We were especially uh, helped by Erin Scott, who's who works at the Living Desert. They have having just gone through a 50th anniversary, they have some experience with 50th anniversary logos. So she was particularly helpful uh, with us in selecting the logo that we settled on. And this is the logo that that they chose celebrating 50 years of Palm Desert. Uh, You'll see there are several colors here. We'll be using it in a variety of colors in different applications, different places. Um, We're going to be using these on banners, uh, on El Paseo. They'll be on social media headers, on our email signatures, and on uh, lots of different places. And the first place that you're going to see this will be on our 2023 calendar which will be celebrating 50 years of Palm Desert and we're going to be unveiling that at uh, the Concerts in the Park on um, the 27th. And speaking of that, uh, we have several events coming up, mostly Concerts in the Park. So tonight is the very next Concert in the Park. With the Blue Breeze Band, they're playing a variety of music for Motown, R&B, jazz funk and soul. Uh, I want to remind everyone these concerts are free so they can bring their lawn chairs, blankets and picnic baskets uh, to each of the concerts. Tonight we have two food trucks uh, out there for people including the Comfort Inn and Big Easy Sandwich and always our favorite E.E. Pels truck. The concerts are from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. And the next one will be next Thursday, October 20th, the Dream Boats are back. And then on the 27th, we wrap up the series with the pop rebels taking us back to the 70s, which is right in line with our uh, historical calendar that we're going to be unveiling to celebrate the 50th anniversary. And then one last reminder on October 30th is the 58th annual Palm Desert golf parade, golf cart parade. Uh, It'll be on that on Sunday, October 30th. Tom Flores is going to be the grand marshal and the parade steps off at noon, but people can enjoy food, the kids area, classic car show and vendor booths and a lot more starting at 9 a.m. on that day. And as always, for more information on events in the city, people can visit discoverpalmdesert.com. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Uh, Are there any other additional comments from the city manager?
7: That is it tonight, thank you
0: just on the heels of the reminder of the golf cart parade don't forget that kicks off with a pancake breakfast uh, every year also okay we will move to the uh, Council Member reports and requests at this time Uh, Council
4: Member Kelly, why don't you go first. I will go first and now we're ready for the person who will go second. I have nothing to share this evening.
0: Okay. Thank you. Uh, Council Member Nastandy, please. And thank you, Mayor. And I do not have anything to share this evening as well. Thank you. Okay. And Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan.
9: Thank you, Mayor.
0: Um, Oh, well, I just have a very little and the co- we finished today a strategic planning session with the Coachella Valley Economic Partnership, looking how we go f- forward and make sure we're serving our entire region, each city and our tribal tribes as well as possible. And I did want to mention that uh, the Paint El Paseo Pink was an amazing event Uh, I know they always guesstimate. I don't know what their last guesstimate of attendance was, but I know it was somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000. And it was really a great event. It was wonderful to see the community come together to uh, help others. So um, as usual, I know we all attend a lot of meetings. We all do a lot of things, but uh, we want to report those things out that we feel will mean the most to our community members. So at this time... Why don't I have our city clerk provide housekeeping remarks for uh, participation in this
1: meeting. Thank you. Uh, For those on Zoom, if you want to participate in public comment, please click the raise hand button on your computer or smartphone. If you're joining the meeting by calling in on your phone, please dial star nine to raise your hand. And when called upon, press star six to unmute yourself. Please keep your minutes or your comments to no more than three minutes and begin by stating your full name for the record.
0: Great, thank you. Okay, we will move to uh, public comments, non-agendized public comments at this time. And I do see that uh, Yvette Edens has her hand up, please. Um, And if you can provide, kind of keep your, uh, share with us for three minutes or less, we'd appreciate it.
10: Yes, good afternoon, Mayor Harnick, members of city council and city staff. Um, My name is Yvette Edens, proud resident of Palm Desert and executive director of Desert Cancer Foundation. On the heels of a very successful paint, El Paseo Pink, and your guest was spot on. We're guessing close to 2000 this year. Um, I do wanna publicly thank all of you for your support of the walk and this wonderful organization. We appreciate your generosity to allow us to host this event in our beautiful city and on El Paseo. Um, Paint El Paseo Pink is a really beloved community event. It helps raise awareness for breast cancer and much needed funds for Desert Cancer Foundation. And we could not do this without our community partners. And we're honored to host this walk in Palm Desert. Um, We're delighted to have you, you, um, City Mayor Jan Harnick and council members attend the walk as well. And as you saw, again, participation was really outstanding and filled with inspiration and hope. So your valued partnership and the support of our friends on Al Paseo, our sponsors, healthcare partners, and media partners really enable us to shine a light on our work and raise money to help individuals who otherwise could not afford access to care and vital cancer treatment. So on behalf of our board of directors and event committee and staff members and volunteers and the residents we serve, we are re- really grateful for your support. Thank you, Madam Mayor and Palm Desert City Council members. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you, and thank you for choosing Palm Desert to have this event, and thank you for all you do for people across our valley. Thanks so much, Mayor. A big difference in a lot of people's lives, I know that. So thank you. Thanks. Okay, is there anyone else who would like to comment on a non-agendized item? And I don't see anyone at this time. So we can move to the consent calendar and all matters listed on the consent calendar are considered routine and may be approved by one motion. The public uh, may comment on any items on the consent agenda Agenda within the three minute time limit, Uh, individual items may be removed by the city council for a separate discussion. And I see our clerk, which makes me- Yes, Madam
1: Mayor, uh, staff wanted to request to pull item one, I for a brief presentation related to the wind fence around vacant parcels.
0: Okay, great. So we will get to that and consent items held over. Are there any uh, items that the council would like to pull or make comment on? I see Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan's hand is up.
9: Thank you madam mayor. Um, I'd like to pull item E as an echo and item G golf e G Thank you.
0: Okay. Uh, I would anyone like to move the balance? I make a motion to move the balance. Okay. And is there a second? Second. Okay. Can we have a roll call vote for consent?
1: Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Calendar. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Harnett. Yes. Motion passes 4 to 0.
0: Okay. We'll take the pulled items in order. So can we start with item E? which is to approve the amendment number one, to contract number C41690 with HR Green Pacific Inc.
9: Thank you, Mayor. And I see Mr. Seha, if I may proceed with just a few brief questions, is that okay? Yes, please. Okay, thank you. Good evening, Mr. Seha,
11: how are you? Doing great, how are you, Mayor Pro Tem?
9: Excellent, thank you. So, Three quick questions, number one, what exactly does on-call support services mean in this context?
11: So on-call, so the contract with HR Green is both for our development services and public works teams. And so the on-call services that they provide us uh, primarily relate to staffing as well as engineering services. So right now they're uh, supplying us with some temporary staffing needs that we have. They're doing some engineering plan check review for us and also assisting in our permit center.
9: Okay. Um, thank you. Um, question two, you know, with regarding to the permitting and, and plan approval process and so forth, I know in the past the city has received complaints along the lines that instead of having all questions and concerns presented to the applicant at one time, it's very much a lengthy back and forth. You know, one item is resolved only to be told, okay, now we have another item. Have we made any progress on that issue?
11: substantial progress, not only with our internal staff, but particularly with the HR green contract and their turnaround times when it comes to plan check review.
9: So our customers are happier. That's right. Okay, that's what we want. And then finally, um, we're looking for an amount not to exceed $590,000. This is probably my annual question. Has staff looked at this in terms of, is it still cost effective to contract out these services rather than
7: higher-up staff? We we did look, in, and yes, uh, it's definitely more cost-effective at this point. The market for the engineers is extremely thin right now. Uh, we have been out uh, at least two, if not three times in the recruiting areas, and it, it really does turn the balance of these contracts positive when we start looking at what we're having to pay internal staff that are fully loaded. So uh, it makes a lot of sense, especially as as we're trying to fix the customer service uh, part of our uh, operation and long-term benefits. Um, So the the benefit of a contract like HR Green is it's scalable. So we use it when we need it. And we simply couldn't, uh, I don't think we could staff it uh, anymore internally for cheaper.
9: Thank you. I I appreciate you and staff being on top of things as always, thank you for that. Um, Madam Mayor, I'm prepared to move approval of that item at at your uh, discretion.
0: Right, and I would second it with just a quick comment. I have heard uh, a lot of very positive feedback about the process uh, using engaging HR Green. So I think that's uh, really been an asset in our work with our applicants. Okay, so we have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call, vote, please?
1: And I'm sorry, I don't know who the second was. That was me. Okay, thank you. Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, aye. Councilmember Kelly, yes. Councilmember Nastandi,
4: yes. Mayor Harnett. yes.
1: Motion passes four to zero.
0: Great. Now we'll go to G appointment of City Council liaison to the Civics Engagement Committee. And did you want to ask questions, or how do you, how would you like to go about this, Mayor Pro Tem?
9: Thank you, Mayor. Questions would be good. Again, I just have a few quick questions, uh, and I think, uh, Mr. Mejia, you you are the staff member assigned to this. Um, is there, uh, question one, is there a meeting scheduled, for, already scheduled for the Civic Engagement uh, Committee?
1: I don't believe the meeting's been scheduled, but they are looking to uh, hold their first meeting at the end of October or the beginning of November.
9: Okay, and just for clarification, I, I couldn't understand why, what's the purpose in appointing just one member at this point?
0: If if you would like, I'd answer that because that was a decision I made. Uh, Because we, going back to a discussion we had earlier about elections, uh, we don't know who will be elected and on our council. And in fact, one of the serving members on that committee is a candidate as well. So I thought it was probably going to be most efficient, most effective if we waited until election results were in so that we could make the best decision at that time.
9: And and that was really my question, Mayor, and I'm not arguing, I just wanna understand, does it make more sense to postpone the first meeting and the appointment of uh, uh, the two appointments uh, till after the election?
0: Uh, I'm not going to speak to. Does it make more sense? Uh, as, but as our um, our city clerk said, it may be the first of in, in the beginning of November. So I would recommend that we wait as long as we're saying the beginning of November till after the election. Uh, I was very confident in asking Councilmember Kelly to um, to be our uh, appointed liaison for the reason that we will have a new uh, council member and I was hoping uh, that with the new council member in there that our council council member Kelly would have ample opportunity to model the behavior that we expect from our liaisons to committees and commissions she represents the city well always and as you know uh, sometimes the position of liaison um, it is a little tough to find your way. And I think Councilmember Kelly always does a great job with that. So I thought it was a, a really a good opportunity to onboard a new council member, uh, under the tutelage of council member Kelly.
9: Yeah. And just please understand, I have no opposition. In fact, I have a hundred percent support for council member Kelly's appointment. I just didn't understand why we're appointing one and deferring the second one, instead of just deferring this whole the first meeting and the two liaisons and all that till after the election. But uh, I would certainly defer to your wishes, Mayor. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And I do see uh, Council Member you stand up. Well, it's, it's probably a moot point now
3: because I just wanted to underscore that I'd like to move forward to appoint Council Member Kathleen Kelly to this committee. And then after the election, go from there. But it's already been said. So we're, it seems right. like we're all in agreement.
0: Okay. Second now. Okay. We have a motion and a second. Can we um, have a roll call vote, please?
1: Mayor Putum Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nassandi. Yes. Councilmember or Mayor Harnick. Yes. Motion passes four to zero.
0: Okay, great. Now we'll go to. Um, Item I, which is receive and file an informational item related to wind fencing around vacant parcels, but it's going to be more than a receive and file, so.
12: Please. Good afternoon, uh, Honorable Mayor and members of the City Council, Andy Ramirez, Deputy Director of Public Works, and joining me uh, today is uh, Ryan Gaylor, and we wanted to provide you um, just a quick update on the wind fence uh, policy that was requested uh, of staff back in August of uh, 25th, and then also to provide a, another update on the North Sphere uh, wind fence project. And so I'm gonna share my screen with you. Give me a moment here. And I'll be sharing it now. Can you see my presentation? Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. Um, As a quick background, uh, earlier this year, uh, the city did experience some high winds uh, that have not been experienced here in the city for several years. And um, uh, we noticed the effects of that, that uh, prohibited travel in the North Sphere areas, especially on our streets. Uh, Several locations were identified to implement a wind fence uh, project. And back on August 25th, the council awarded a contract to furnish screened wind fencing. Uh, and so I wanted to briefly uh, review um, the criteria that was used by Public Works to identify this need. And as you can see on your slides, uh, safety was number one. And obviously a nuisance. Uh, city workers typically returned uh, to the same areas multiple times uh, throughout those months, and so there is a lot of inefficiency of time. And so uh, this is the criteria that was used for the seven locations that were identified uh, for this project. As a quick uh, update, here was the map uh, that was used uh, in that presentation, and a pre-construction meeting was recently conducted. And so uh, we're happy to share with you that construction is expected to commence at the end of this month. Uh, also, on the 25th uh, meeting with City Council, there was a request to review the current policy for installing wind windfence. Uh, staff uh, uh, did some research uh, with uh, Air Quality Management District, also referred to as AQMD. In regards to the regulations, uh, we consulted with the City Attorney um, as well, and we assessed uh, uh, past and current practices. So the big question was, uh, what is the AQMD policy uh, to enforce fugitive dust requirements on vacant arsenals? And so um, after conferring with AQMD, uh, they stated that uh, they, they will not cite the property owner of any undisturbed vacant lots due to uh, fugitive uh, dust issues. On our next question, uh, we took it to the city attorney uh, for their legal opinion on requiring property owners to submit an in-lieu fee or install wind fence uh, around undisturbed parcels. Uh, The city attorney uh, determined that the city cannot cite uh, the property owner of uh, undisturbed vacant lots uh, due to fugitive dust issues. Uh, On this next slide, um, we wanted to make sure that you're aware that there's no written policy uh, regarding the installation of wind fencing to protect a city right-of-way. Um, however, as the previous slides have shared with you, uh, our current uh, practices, in addition to this, in regards to development, uh, where there's a development that's under construction or where a project has been approved and there's going to be active grading, the city does require uh, for the installation of fencing around a project site with wind screening. Uh, going to the undisturbed parcels, as you can see on your screen, the city really doesn't have any authority to require Uh, fencing. And so um, we wanted to make sure we were able to share that uh, with the council. Uh, Our current practice is supported by AQMD uh, regulations and legal counsel. Uh, We do require active developments to install the wind fencing. Uh, This next slide right here uh, is an overlay of our uh, projects in the city, particular to the north sphere that are under construction, uh, have been approved, or under review. In addition to that, in the black, you'll see the wind fencing project uh, that will be underway at at the end of this month. Um, So just for information's sake, we just wanted to share the color scheme here. Uh, The blue areas indicate development projects under construction that have uh, wind fencing installed per city requirements. Uh, Future areas, so this is uh, here colored in green and salmon or pink. And so the green areas indicate projects uh, that have been city reviewed and approved when fencing will be required prior to grading. Uh, The groundbreaking for these areas is expected to occur sometime within two years of the approval date. The salmon colors uh, indicate projects uh, under city review and have not yet been approved. Uh, There is no wind fencing required until grading commences and there is no estimated time frame when development will commence. Uh, therefore, the green and salmon locations will be addressed with wind fencing on the right-of-way on a case-by-case case basis.
9: Andy, um, on that last slide, what's the salmon-colored parcel at the very northwest corner? You know, let, me ask that,
12: where, let me ask Ryan to address that.
9: Is, is that west of Monterey adjacent to the Costco, or do I have the streets wrong? No, that's right. What's planned there?
7: If, if I could, um, Mayor Potem, this is Martin. Um, yeah, that is, that is a a large a parcel that is privately owned and has contemplated a large master plan that has included some commercial, some light industrial, and I believe some residential as well. Oh, that is it is adjacent to the Costco Center to the to the west.
12: Thank you. Thanks, Martin. Uh, And here on this last slide, we have a simple recommendation uh, before council, and that is uh, to direct staff to prepare a resolution for adoption, establishing an official wind fence policy. And that concludes my report. I'll be happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you so much. Are there any questions or comments? Okay, I see. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please.
9: Yeah, I just wanted to thank staff. I, I think that there's been some inconsistency in the application of our policy in the past. And I'm so grateful that we've clarified uh, our policy now and into the future. And I would move for approval of staff recommendation. Uh,
0: I I will second that. I I wanna thank you because I know we had a lot of questions about that when that came up before. We recognized the need for the fencing and also need for policy. So I thank you for bringing that forward and and uh, taking care of that for everyone. So we have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote?
1: Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan? Aye. Council Member Kelly? Yes. Council Member Nistandy. Yes. Mayor Harding? Yes. Motion passes four to zero.
0: Great. Thank you so much. Okay, we will now move to the Uh, action calendars, but we are going to have to change the order of some of the um, items on our calendar or on our agenda. So if we can take public hearing, the first one, A, we will take that now, and then we will go back to the action calendar. So uh, the public hearing is to adopt uh, PUBLIC HEARING A ADOPT A RESOLUTION UNDER THE CALIFORNIA ENVIRONMENTAL QUALITY ACT CEQA AND APPROVE A PRECISE PLAN TENTATIVE PARCEL plan MAP AND ENVIRONMENTAL ASSESSMENT FOR THE DEVELOPMENT OF A 241 UNIT MULTIFAMILY AFFORDABLE HOUSING DEVELOPMENT A HOUSING DENSITY BONUS AND RELATED IMPROVEMENTS ON A 10.49 ACRE PARCEL LOCATED AT THE NORTHWEST CORNER of Gerald Ford Drive and the extension of technology drive. So maybe we have a staff report, please.
13: Good evening, Honor Mayor and members of the city council. If you give me one second, I am having a bit of technical difficulty with my presentation.
14: Yeah, I yes. I hope you stay, you're married
12: and going to he doesn't care about people, so no, I won't. And now the next case. All parties in the matter of Riley versus
14: Saraceno Wilder. Melanie Wright issuing car
8: lock on their body.
13: Madam Mayor, are you looking at my presentation now? Yes. Perfect. Thank you. Good evening, Rosie Lua, Planning Manager. Uh, good evening, City Council. Uh, today's presentation is for the Ponds Villas at Millennium Project. The vicinity of this project is located north of Gerald Ford, east of Dinosaur, Shore, and west of the Technology Drive Extension. And as you can see here, this parcel will be joined with a 0.49 acre um, existing parcel that is closer to Dynashore. So it will be a merged parcel. There will be access from technology as well as access from Dynashore. This parcel is part of the Millennium specific plan. You see the 10 acres here. The other sliver portion will be from parcel nine. This is a Millennium specific plan that was approved in 2015 it had an environmental assessment, as well as this planning in your area eight was a plan for affordable housing. So for your consideration tonight, it is a recommendation for tentative. To subdivide the property into two parcels, as well as a precise plan to develop 241 affordable housing units. It'll be built in two phases and it also includes a density bonus with a parking reduction and also um, a CEQA finding that uh, this CEQA analysis is in conformance with the general plan. So the project is uh, 241 apartment units, 239 of them are affordable um, and they are restricted affordable. Two units will be for on-site manager There is a density bonus component to it, which increases the density from the PR22. Uh, The parking reduction is part of the state density bonus as well. Um, As you can see here, this parking reduction um, as required by the zoning is two spaces per unit, and it will be reduced to uh, 1.41 spaces per unit. There is a maximum lot coverage as required by zone uh, 50%, and the proposed has a 20% lot coverage. Uh, There is a maximum of uh, three stories as required by the code. This project has a two-story component, which is the clubhouse, and the majority of the uh, uh, buildings are three stories. And again, they are under the uh, zoning allowance for maximum height. A bit of background. The ARC recommended approval of this project with comments on April 12, 2022. Those comments were addressed prior to heading to planning commission for an approval. On August 16, planning commission recommended approval to the city council. They had some concerns with the project. Uh, One was recreational use of retention basins, wanted the applicant to incorporate that uh, recreational portion if, um, if allowed. And so the applicant, Uh, was to assess that, as well as for staff to have a discussion with Sunline to see if there were any proposals for any future lines on Gerald board, as well as for the applicant to go back to their right-of-way areas and see if there could be a a future um, location for infrastructure, as well as the applicant to incorporate some sort of water feature pool or more amenities onto the project. So uh, also part of this uh, project, there was an community engagement. Um, They started their community engagement on March 31st. There were some items that were raised by the public, uh, which included environmental um, items, including noise, um, air quality, things like that. Um, The building architecture comments, as well as some general questions that came up with the applicant. There was a follow-up meeting on July 27th um, where concerns including um, this project having proximity to services, uh, concerns on the building architecture being a plane, as well as this project's distance to schools and services, as well as a concern of the neighbors that this project had a lack of amenities. So to address the public Comments. Um, you know, we put together uh, just a proximity to schools. This project does fall under the Palm Springs Unified School District boundary, and so um, we 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 assessed um, just the proximity of mileage to the elementary, middle, and high school, as well as the schools within the transportation um, that is provided by these uh, institutions. So. Um, again, there is there is the uh, transportation component for elementary and middle school. Uh, there is no transportation component for um, the high school. In terms of services and stores, this is, I think, a larger issue that was brought up that the area. Um, is not in walking distance or in close proximity to any of uh, uh, grocery stores or services, but I think that this was also part of a larger discussion that um, not only affected this project, but others um, in the northern sphere that, um, you know, were, were um, discussing about, you know, having more of these services come into the community. And so staff did go back and look at our commercial areas for that as well as um, you know, one of the things that that we did see was that there was some close proximity to some services including the DMV. In terms of responding to the amenities, which was a concern of the public as well as planning commission, um, this project originally did not include a pool. It included only a top lot, a half court, as well as some barbecue areas. As part of the feedback from the public, as well as planning commission, uh, the applicant has revised their plans to include an amenities package. And I have provided this in black or white, um, but you can see that there is some reconfiguration from the original plan. And this is for consideration of approval today and a conditional approval. Uh, There is a tot lot that has now overhead structures, uh, a pool, as well as a maintenance building that will serve for uh, bathrooms as well there is overhead structures over the barbecue areas and also um, there is walking paths um, and the applicant is also exploring walking paths along the retention basins and that will take further analysis to ensure that that takes place I will revert back to the original plan here, but again, this is the area that has those changes. Uh, as mentioned, there are two accesses, one on technology. It is a gated community. Go in, and then there is a second exit onto Dynashore. This is the project in its totality. Again, as mentioned previously, they are uh, broken up into two phases. This is the phase line for phase one, and then the second parcel is the phase two. As you can see that it will have uh, frontages uh, that will be completed all the way to Dinah um, and, and this is following the phasing. This is what we will be seeing uh, built first. Again, this will be revised to include the new um, amenities package. Uh, this is a, the project in its entire as far as the two parcels. And this here is phase one with an interim connection, uh, vehicular connection onto Dyna for phase two, as you can see here. So again, there will be improvements along uh, Gerald Ford that will connect to Dyna for pedestrian connections. However, uh, phase one is what's being proposed for construction, um, which will take place more immediate than the phase two. As far as the architecture, this is a community building. It is a Spanish-style themed architecture. This is a two-story component of the project. Uh, This is the residential buildings. Again, these will have, um, these are three stories. Um, We'll have um, solar carports. Um, They have stairs. Uh, There are no elevator portions to this project. Uh, This is the design theme of Gerald Ford, um, as well as the monumentation signs and entry points. And that concludes the uh, staff report. I am here for any questions um, that you may have. The applicant is also available for any questions. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
0: And this is the time if council members have any questions for staff. Are there any questions? Okay. I see a couple hands. We'll start with Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, please.
9: Uh, I'm happy to go second. Council member, no? Exactly. Okay. You
0: you were first, that's fine.
9: I was first, okay, I missed that. Um, So, Ms. Lua, good evening, how are you?
13: I'm good, how are you?
9: Fine, thank you. Um, I'm wondering how big is that pool? Do you know? Sure, it is
13: a, give me one second, it is a 38 by 24.
14: Okay. 38
13: by
9: 24 feet. Right. Did, um, I mean, I don't know, 230, 241 units in total might be 300 to 400 kids. Um, Did did staff explore the feasibility of a larger pool or a second pool?
13: We um, had strong recommendations of the applicant to consider a larger pool. Yes. Uh, But, but, you know, this is... um, this is the applicant's response to our, um, to our recommendation.
9: Okay. I, I'd like to, at the appropriate point, I know this is a public hearing, just ask the applicant if that a bigger pool or a second pool would throw this completely out of whack financially, or if that's something, a gift he can make to the community, if you will. So mayor, I don't know when that question can be asked, but um, I'd like to do so at the appropriate
0: time. Okay. After we open the public um hearing would be appropriate time. Um, In the meantime, Council Member Kelly, you have any
4: questions for staff? I do. Uh, One of the concerns that was expressed in all of the work uh, from members of the public was a perception uh, that the city is concentrating affordable housing in the north part of the city. Uh, This has come up in the past. We discussed it when we approved the housing element. I think uh, the last chart I saw uh, showed a total of 35 affordable housing complexes of varying sizes uh, located throughout the city, which people are unaware of because we've insisted on such a high standard that they don't look different uh, from market rate housing. Do you have any other statistics you can share or numbers you can share to help folks appreciate uh, that we do have affordable housing dispersed throughout uh, Palm Desert?
13: Absolutely. And, and I think um, Jessica Gonzalez can give us a really good indication of all of our existing properties um, that are spread throughout our city. Um, do we have Jessica?
4: Or we can open that question until, oh, here she is. <laughs> Hi, good
2: evening, uh, honorable mayor, members of the city council. Yes, we actually have a good uh, spread of, of units and um, providing housing in different communities throughout our city. We have over a thousand um, units in the Palm Desert Housing Authority portfolio with majority of them in the south uh, and um, between, on Santa Rosa between uh, Fred Waring and 111. We also have an additional probably approximately between 400 units. That are dispersed throughout in the eastern and western side of the city uh, boundaries as well. So we we have a good amount, uh, close to uh, sixteen hundred units throughout the the community of the city of Palm Desert in the southern side of Frank Sinatra um, down to uh, past one eleven. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: Okay. Are there any other questions of staff? And I see none. So at this time, we will open the public hearing. And if the applicant would like to make some remarks, please. And
15: hi, this is Dan Horn. I'm president of Palm Communities. And I want to thank. Uh, staff for their presentation, and I want to thank the uh, council for taking the time to hear this, uh, our hear the presentation and support, hopefully support our our project. Um, in regards to the the pool, um, we originally didn't plan one due to a number of reasons that we went into with staff regarding insurance and the the drought and water shortage and things like that, maintenance, um, particularly out in the North sphere with, with the sand issues that they have. Uh, that said, it w- they were very strong in their position. And so it was planned out uh, at the size that, that um, was put into the, into the plan. Um, I don't know, you know, what size is appropriate for, the number of people that we we are having—that's something I haven't looked into. But if if uh, the council wants us to look at uh, a in, enlarging the pool, um, I'm I'm happy to have my staff and my architects sit down and go go through it with the uh, city staff and come up with a size that um, is affordable and appropriate for the size of community we have.
0: Okay, is, is that the extent of comments from the applicant?
15: Um, I, I think so. I've, I'm. We've we've spent a lot of time going through this just about every aspect of this project, and I'm comfortable that that we're that we're we're moving in the right direction, and whatever other questions are out there can be resolved between uh, now and the near future to, to satisfy the council and the city. Um we we do would appreciate your approval this evening because there is a funding round coming up that we want to submit to at the end of this month and um uh that's necessary for the development of the
0: project. Thank you. And I know uh Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan you you did want to discuss that did that? Uh, answer your question, or do you have further discussion and questions on that issue? No,
9: I, I appreciate the applicant's openness to um, creating a larger pool. I think we have a very good partner um, that specializes in aquatics in, in the YMCA, and I think YMCA National can probably provide a starting point for determining what size pool might be appropriate for that, the expected population there. However, I also understand cost constraints and I'm very grateful that we're getting this project in the city of Palm Desert with uh, so many additional affordable housing units. So mayor, I, I think I'm comfortable with the applicant's suggestion that he continue working with staff and see if there's a way to uh, better accommodate uh, the people that will live there. Thank you. Okay,
0: great. Uh, are there any other questions of the applicant? I have a, just a quick question and you you, uh, mr Arn, you brought up a good point uh regarding the wind issues that do exist out there what type of you know wind barrier do you have uh to help with keeping the pool as usable as possible
15: um right now we have a block wall on the north side i believe it's uh an eight foot wall uh because of the sound situation on the on you know from the freeway and the railroad tracks. Um, we have. We're going to have some, you know, a building in between, as well as you know the taut lot, so that should help. I can tell you this that we do have a community in Thousand Palms that has got a pool, and we're cleaning it constantly uh, to keep the sand out of it, and um, it's it's an expensive and and repetitious issue that we've go, we're going through on that because because it's like this property uh, facing some open desert but that said if that's the way that the city council wants to go it's my job as a developer to make sure that you're happy i've tried to do that with my existing community and i try to do that in all the communities we develop in so if your goal is to have a pool we'll have a pool and we'll give you one that will accommodate the size population that we've got. Um, so.
0: Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank and you. And I do mm-hmm. see Councilmember member Standy's hand this up. Yeah. I, I just
3: wanted to follow up on Mr. Horn's comments and it really does resonate with me. And I, I've been following this project for several months now and it is much appreciated your openness and willingness to make things right there there have been a few bumps along the way but you but you have really tried to work with
0: staff the community and us and it's much much appreciated i I
10: missed
0: all of it i'm I'm, you know i'm so no i'm sorry um you're not muted mr horn So go ahead, uh, council member, Ms.
3: Oh, yes, Mr. Horn. I was just uh, saying how much appreciated it is in your willingness to work with the community. You've you've listened. There have been a few bumps along the way, and you've done everything that you can to try to make things right. And I just really appreciate your willingness to work with the community, city council, and staff. So um, thank you very much.
15: Thank you, Councilman Sandy. I appreciate the um, faith and confidence that the that you feel and the council feels in our company and myself. Uh, we definitely try to, to keep our supporters happy for the long term. And um, I, I appreciate your your confidence. Thank you.
0: Welcome. Are there any other questions of the applicant? Okay, um, I see none, and we we do have an open public hearing. So, is there any members from the public who would like to speak to this issue? And I see none. So, I will close the public hearing and open it, uh, reopen for discussion. Are there any comments from our
4: council?
2: Um,
4: I will move to approve the listed actions in the staff recommendation with the understanding that the size of the pool will be further explored with staff.
3: I will second the motion.
4: And I see
0: uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan has his hand up. We have a motion in a second, so please.
9: Yeah, and just very uh, quickly, I also want uh, to thank Mr. Horn. He's he's an individual and a company that is very experienced in developing affordable housing, and I'm grateful that he chose Palm Desert, the city of Palm Desert, uh, to uh, create his next project. And looking forward to adding to our inventory of affordable housing in the city of Palm Desert. Thank you.
0: Okay. Are there any other comments? I see none. I know we have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote, please?
1: Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nestandi. Yes. Mayor Harding Yes. Motion passes 4 0.
0: Thank you. All right. We will now go to the action calendar. Which uh, Mayor, Could we take a brief 10-minute uh, break? Yes, we can. Yes, we may. 10 minutes and I have 509 so I'll see everyone back at 520, please. Okay, it's 520. So now we'll go back to the action calendar, which is a joint consideration for approval. We have everybody here. Yes. For approval of actions related to the conveyance of the parcels identified as APN 694-120-028 and a portion of APN 694-120-029 and approving loans in the aggregate amount of $6,755,000 from the Housing Authority's low and moderate income housing asset fund for the construction of 239 affordable housing units and two managers units pursuant to a disposition, development and loan agreement. This is a joint item between the Housing Authority Board. Can we have a staff report please?
2: Yes, if I could please have a minute to share my screen. Thank you. Honorable Mayor, Mayor, uh, members of the City Council and Authority Board, Jessica Gonzalez, Housing Manager in the Economic Development Department. Um, Before you, um, uh, the approval of staff's recommendation will provide an approval of a resolution that authorizes a disposition and development and loan agreement between the Palm Desert Housing Authority, the city of Palm Desert and Palm communities. The disposition and development development and loan agreement provides terms and conditions in which the conveyance of a city owned 10.49 acre uh, property would be conveyed. The conveyance of the property will be in two phases. Consisting of 241 total units, each phase will phase one will consist of 121 units, and phase two will consist of 120 units. Each phase will provide an on-site manager unit included within that the total. Um, The housing authority would be providing a loan commitment in the total amount of six million seven hundred fifty-five thousand. These amount the, the loan assistance would be provided in two amounts. Uh, for phase one, would be six million, and for phase two, would be seven hundred and fifty-five thousand. Both of these loans will carry a simple interest at um, per annum. Simple interest, three percent at per annum. Sorry. Um, as part of the conditions of of the disposition development agreement loan agreement, you also have um, conditions of housing agreements. One is the density bonus, as well as the low mod um, housing agreement. Each of these will be provided in for each of the phases. They must be recorded and will not be subordinate to any deed of trust. In other words, these would survive in the event of a a foreclosure and would not be terminated. Um, The conveyance will only be successful, will be only upon successfully having funding obtained by the developer. The, um, the, the conveyance will be per phase and they will be subject to satisfaction of conditions of closing. Phase one must be funded and closed by June 30th, 2024. Phase two must be funded and closed by June 30th of 2025. This essentially provides the developer two rounds of um, application towards the SIDLAC um, allocation uh, applications. Phase two land would not be sold unless phase one is sold. So essentially, if phase one is successful, then we would move on to phase two uh, conveyance. The f- benefits and of conveyance and financial support will provide us with, of course, a 100%, 241 unit uh, community that would be operated um, for 55 years. The project will serve our residents with the highest need of of um, housing need, which would comprise of uh, extremely low, very low and low. It would also need our RENA members for the existing cycle, the sixth cycle for house, our housing element. And we would be provided 231 units as proposed in two phases with a total of 72 units for extremely low, 121 units under very low and low, and 46 units under low income. Again, just a summary of, of the recommendation before you is to approve the conveyance of the city-owned 10.49 acre property in two phases, approving loans in the total amount of 6755000 from the Housing As- uh, Asset Fund. Uh, for, pursuant to the DDLA for the purchase and construction of 239 units as affordable, restricted for 55 years for extremely low, very low, low households. It also authorizes Palm communities to submit applications for financial allocations. And it authorizes um, uh, the mayor or our chairman, staff and legal counsel to execute and record the agreements pursuant to the DDLA staff is available as well as KMA. Uh, KMA is our um, consultant that was provi- has provided some technical assistance to ensure that the loan assistance being provided from the housing authority um, was feasible and they have presented um, that it, it is warranted. Um, and our legal count special counsel as well as the developer are available for any questions.
0: Thank you so much. Are there any questions or... Co- yes. Um, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan.
9: Thank you, Mayor. Um, Ms. Gonzalez, good evening to you. Good evening. Hi. So, and I apologize if I, if I should have asked this in advance, you may or may not be able to answer this, but I'm wondering if it were to be the will of the council, could a requirement be placed in the DDLA um, that at the discretion of the the city, of the council, uh, up to five units in this development uh, would be made available to the city or to CDAG or some other entity's homelessness program. So, in other words, it wouldn't mandate it at this point, but it would make them up to five units available. And I picked that because it's 2% of, of the project. Um, it would be a place marker where at future city council's discretion and re- request, up to five units would be made available for a homelessness pr- program. Is it legal? Is it possible to build that into the DDLA? And again, I'm not saying that's the will of council. I, I preface it by saying, should it be the will of council? Is that a, a possibility?
2: Actually, can I ask our city attorney, Mr. Hargraves, if he could assist me in in that answering that question? If it could be something we can add on.
5: Well, the the DDLA is the result of a lengthy process of negotiation, so it's not something we can unilaterally impose necessarily. But if if that was the council's choice, um, I mean, we could make yeah, we could say that the city is not going to enter into it unless the developer agrees. And I think the developers probably, Mr. Horn's probably in attendance, so we can get feedback on that and see if he'd be amenable to that. So it'd be something you know that we could add. I don't know how it would affect the financial analysis, but
9: yeah. I, and I'm sorry, I should have clarified, this would be at the rate of rent that would be charged to any qualifying uh, tenant. So the idea is that, you know, there's funding coming through and it's expected to continue to provide funds for rental units uh, for the homeless. So that's what I mean, whether the city has a a Homelessness Program, CDAG or some other entity um, that wishes to pay the appropriate rent that any tenant would be charged that qualifies for low-income housing, um, but just that that it be set aside with that preference. So I just want to clarify I'm not looking for a handout from the project. They would continue to receive the same revenue that they otherwise would.
5: I think there are probably certain mechanics that would have to be worked out as to whether there would be just five units that would be reserved and not mm-hmm. otherwise rented or how those five units be made available and how would those people be selected and how would they fit in with the community. But there again, I would leave, I mean, that's a point that can be negotiated and I would defer to, to Mr. Horn on that, so. But if, if that's the council's, you know, desire and given the amount of money that the council, the city, the housing authority is putting into this project, I, it certainly wouldn't be inappropriate to have that discussion.
0: Before we go to Mr. Horn, I'd like to go to Council Member Kelly.
4: ah uh-huh. I have a different question, so I won't uh, pursue that topic until later. Uh, Ms. Gonzalez, I think of uh, a staff presentation uh, to the council back in June uh, indicated that entitled and projects in the entitlement process uh fulfilled most of our rena allocation for the next cycle, with the exception of 47 uh very low, extremely low units and 141 low units. Uh does this project cover that gap or Was this project included in the analysis as one of the projects in process?
2: This project was already included as one of the
4: ones in process. Okay. (laughs) I suspected that. I just wanted to figure out how much we have to celebrate. Okay. Okay.
0: Council Member standing, please.
3: I, I think my question is more directed towards Council Member Jonathan. So Council Member Jonathan, if I understand correctly, you you just want to see if, if it's a possibility, but to not hold up us voting on this tonight, is that correct?
9: Yeah, I mean, we I, I think we can address that more directly during the discussion phase, but my question was to ensure that it even is an alternative for us to consider. Uh, and I think I'm hearing uh, staff and legal counsel say, "Sure, it's it can be negotiated as part of the um, the DDLA." So whether w- this council wants to do that or not, um, I, I'm happy to address during the discussion part of, of okay.
0: this agenda yeah. item.
3: I think it will be good to hear then from Mr. Horn, right? I, I see him back on the
0: no, screen. No, he's dropped. I think dropped his hand. So, so are there any other questions? Um okay um I do see uh, Mr. Horn's hand is up. Yes, if you'd like to answer that question. And you are muted.
15: Thank you. Um the the issue with dealing with homeless usually is in is in is structured up front because of the of the services and the unit type that you need to accommodate that population um the when we when we do and we do homeless we've got projects we've got probably a dozen projects at this point that include some portion of homeless in them but it, the the issue that we're running into is that we've we've got a financing round coming up, and if we don't get assigned and don't get site control tonight, or you know maybe in the next, I I don't know about the next meeting or not, but we, we won't we we will miss the funding round, and that could put us back and push this project back a good nine months to a year. In being able to apply for tax credits. Um, the, the sweet spot for homeless as a percentage of the population, you have to have enough units for homeless to be able to accommodate a full-time social worker that can, uh, that can deal with that population 40 hours a week. You have to have an agreement with a social services provider to to provide those services, which is a, there's a fee for that. Um, the so the so the process we're a little far down the line, to be honest with you, in the process of entitling and developing this project to be able to inject a homeless population at this time. Um, we've just gotten a project approved with in in wildemar it looks like it's going to get funded with with tax credits um, that's got 40 or 50 units of of homeless in it out of a 240 unit project or 225 unit project I beg your pardon and so we're not opposed to it but it's just it's the timing is is very is in the the place that the agreement is in right now is it would be, it'll be problematic for us. Um, We actually did back in 2008 and delivered in 2010, the first mental health services act community in the County of Riverside. And we've been doing special needs projects ever since then and have a Good relationship with uh, service providers between here and Reading to to accommodate that population, but it's it, it's got to be thought out in advance, and it's got to be planned on in your in your financing stack. And uh, we're we're a little far down the line to. Be making a, a move in that direction at this time.
0: Thank you. And I see uh, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, you have your hand up again.
9: Thank you, Mayor. I, I just, it feels like we're talking apples and oranges. And Mr. Horn, I want to make sure you understand my question. I, I, what, you're descri- what you described, like in Wildemar and other places, is very, very different than what I'm talking about. I'm talking about permanent supported housing for the homeless. Um, this is for people who have successfully completed uh, treatment and neighbors don't know that they're in or out of a homelessness program. So the, the care that that individual has received at that point and continues to receive is not provided by the project or by the development. From the development standpoint, from the neighbor standpoint, it's just another resident. Nobody knows otherwise and no one is affected the project, Mr. Horn, would not be affected from a revenue standpoint because rent would be paid by the program that the individual is uh, is under, uh, whether that's the care program, the city program, the c program, program, um, you know, or some other entity. Um, so I, I'm I'm not envisioning uh, a shelter uh, or a homelessness uh, uh, a campus. Um, I'm just asking if a few of the units can be reserved if you'll or made available should a future council make that request. Uh, does that make sense, Mr. Horn? Are we are I, we understanding each other?
15: I, I I understand what you're saying. The all the communities that I'm talking about are permanent supportive housing. They're not. They're not. Uh, <coughs> excuse me they're not shelters or transitional housing and to accommodate that population appropriately and to keep them from, you know, going back onto the street, you have to provide services. Um, The program that we try to model off of was a program out of New York that they implemented and the the study started in the mid nineties and went on for five years and the the way that we try to do it is to keep the population at 20% or less uh, of the total population to be special needs. And when I say special needs, it can be mental health services act people or homeless or vets. Uh, there's a number of classifications of special needs. And the recidivism rate in the traditional route that for that where they, do not blend them in and don't have services is, is close to is, is about 50% within five years. The recidivism rate for the programs that we've been implementing are about 15% at the end of five years. So I'm, I'm familiar with, with trying to do what you're talking about. And we've got those projects in thousand palms and if I'm not mistaken, and Um, in Moreno Valley and a number uh, of Menifee and and a a number of other areas outside of the County. But the, the, the services, you have to have the services or you will end up having social issues. Um, That's not to say that they, that you're going to be keeping the same population in there all the time, meaning that they may move on to, to, you know, and outside of the program, if they get stabilized well enough. And that's always the goal is to, to move my tenants up and on versus, you know, trying to say that they've got a home forever in this particular community. You want them to progress. And that goes for the, for, for the special needs tenants as
0: well. Um, Okay. I see that, um, Council Member Kelly has a hand up for a question.
4: Uh, My hand is up for discussion. Can I do this real
0: quick before we go to discussion? I would like to open it, uh, see if there's any public comment before we go to discussion. So let's see if there's any public comment whatsoever. And I don't see any. All right. So let's go to discussion.
4: Councilmember Kelly, please. And Ms. Gonzalez had her aunt up also. I don't know if she had some quick information that would be of help to us.
2: I actually was going to ask to have our legal counsel, special legal counsel, um, be elevated to help us um, maybe answer some of the questions our councilmember Jonathan had with regards to the homelessness option. Okay, if you want, we can wait for
4: that until you uh, comment. Let's see where we go. <laughs> um, Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan, I applaud uh, your vigilant desire to make sure that the city of Palm Desert plays its part and probably in the outsized part, because that's our tradition. Uh, when it comes to supporting the CFAG Homelessness Program and the Impending Care Program uh, from the county. Uh, My perception is that to achieve your goal, uh, we as a city need to start by doing our homework uh, to get input uh, from folks like Mr. Orn of the sort we've received tonight um, to fully assess the best and most successful way uh, to step up and do what you're inviting us to do. The issue requires resource research about uh, uh, possible resources, Uh, which can be deployed most successfully, and which, quite frankly, uh, would create the smallest risk of diverting housing from other populations who need it just as much. There is a good chance that every single applicant for this housing is quite close to homelessness, perhaps a paycheck away from homelessness. Uh, So as part of that research, we have to make sure uh, that we're not diverting resources from another equally deserving and needing population. I don't think we can shoehorn this goal into this project at this late date without going into all of the upsides and downsides. There's one issue that's just a clincher uh, for me and that issue is that this prospect has not been identified uh, through all the public input sessions. If we allocate property to this purpose we want to make sure that we're up front about that in public input sessions that we hear people's concerns and that we alleviate those concerns quite frankly Uh, i think we would deserve your goal if we shoehorned in something here that was not a part of the public input process Uh, because it would raise people's temperatures. They wouldn't have had the opportunity to express their concerns and have those concerns resolved. So my bottom line is go get them, hang on to your issue, but let's channel that into some comprehensive research into what the potential resources are and which can best be deployed uh, for that purpose. For tonight, I can just hardly wait uh, to vote yes. Uh, and to know that we're on the path to making 72 units available for extremely low income, 121 available for very low-income and 46 for low-income uh, and that these units are going to prev- help to prevent homelessness uh, for hard-working people uh, who aim to be constructive parts of our community. So that's where I come at. Council
0: Member Standee, please.
3: Thank you, Mayor and Councilmember or Mayor pro tem Jonathan you you make some really great points and and I take your your points. uh, um, uh, To heart and believe on the next affordable housing project, we should look into doing what what you're suggesting and putting some homes. Uh, aside some apartment homes aside for the homeless population and just segueing on what council member Kelly said about how we didn't have this as part of our community outreach that that part is valid, but the other more pressing issue as well is as uh, the developer said time is of the essence now, we, we need to get this project. Uh, approved by the end of December. And we're just too far along in the process to to, to make changes on this particular project. So I, I'd make a motion to approve. Thank you.
0: Second. We have a motion and a second and a hand up. So uh, Mayor Pretem, please.
9: Thank you, Mayor. Uh, and, and I can count and I, listen, the last thing I want to do is jeopardize this application in any way. Um, and um, council member understand I appreciate your your comments and especially your suggestion that we move forward with at least looking at this option on uh, future projects. I don't quite understand the lack of public input process. I thought that's what we're doing right here right now, but okay. Um, but council member Kelly's, I, uh, Kelly, Kelly, I, I do understand your concerns. Those concerns and, and arguments against creating affordable uh, or housing for the homeless and thousands of other arguments uh, against creating housing for the homeless have been made and heard. And at the end of the day, that means no housing for homeless. We have residents who want to see our homeless population off the street. We have businesses that want to see our homeless population off the street. And we have compassionate people that want to see the homeless people off the street. Folks, there's only one way to get homeless people off the streets. You can't put them in jail. You turn around and come back to the streets. You can't kick into another city because we don't do that. The only way to get homeless people off the streets is to get them a home, to get them housing with wraparound services. Um, I I, I will say, I I thought this was gonna be kind of an easy sell. So there goes me being naive again. I think it got convoluted into something complex and I probably just didn't uh, sell the point well. Uh, The suggestion was not to create some kind of a center with services. This would be for permanent supportive housing for uh, formerly homeless individuals who are under a care program uh, receiving resources. So um, I'll just say I hope that a future council, as Council Member suggested, looks at this option because, folks, we're not going to solve homelessness until we provide housing. Thank you.
0: Okay, we have a motion and a second on the table. Is there anybody else who would like to comment discuss before we go to a roll call vote? Okay, may we have a vote, a roll call vote, please.
1: Mayor Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nastandi. Yes. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes four to zero.
0: Thank you so much. Okay, so we are now going to ping-pong back to a public hearing and that will be B, approve five power purchase agreements with forefront power for the Civic Center Photovoltaic project, project number 77-14. And who will be providing that staff report?
12: Good afternoon or good evening, uh, Honorable Mayor, members of the City Council, Andy Ramirez, Deputy Director of Public Works. Uh, Before you, is a recommendation to approve a resolution for the proposed photovoltaic improvement project and approve power purchase agreements with Forefront Power for installation of solar systems at City Hall, the Parkview Office Complex, the Aquatic Center, the Artist's Center, and the Desert Willow Academy. Uh, and before I uh, move on, I would like to uh, share with you that uh, representatives from the Joint Powers Authority, SPUR, uh, Forefront Energy, and bb are also available during this presentation. As a brief overview, this project meets three of the City Council's priorities under energy and sustainability, which include being a responsible steward of the City's natural resources, Uh, Reducing per capita consumption of energy, promoting greater usage of more sustainable materials, discouraging waste, increasing renewable energy production, and also encouraging all new construction to be in net zero energy and design. As a result, in 2021, the City Council requested that staff assess the current status of our renewable energy resources and increase our investment in energy efficient initiatives. Uh, this led to a citywide assessment of our current photovoltaic system. Staff confirmed that the current PV system was not optimal and was in or was in disrepair. Therefore, Public Works uh, sought to identify a solution to improve the functionality of the city's entire photovoltaic system. Uh, this slide highlights a timeline of the photovoltaic system assessment and work that has been completed. Uh, Briefly, during the spring of 2021, staff evaluated a statewide competitively bid solar procurement program uh, conducted by SPUR, a joint powers authority uh, consisting of 300 plus public agencies. Uh, The JPA selected Forefront Power as best qualified and lowest bid. Fall 2021, uh, right after the project was initially presented to the City Council, the California Public Utilities Commission came out with a proposed decision. Which would have negatively affected the economics of the project uh, because the payback rate of the solar energy to Edison would have been uh, decreased. After several months though, the CPUC received direction from the governor's office to modify the proposed decision and make it more favorable to the solar industry. A final ruling is is still imminent. By the fall of this year, Public Works and Forefront completed the bullet points uh, shown on the screen. In addition, staff took an extra step to verify the economics of this project uh, by conducting a comprehensive technical and financial analysis by SAGE, an independent engineering firm uh, who are experts in this industry. Uh, Further, uh, legal opinion uh, was provided and a review of the agreements by BB&K. Both firms confirmed this project to be reasonable. Today, uh, staff is recommending that the council proceed with power purchase agreements with Forefront Energy to implement an energy uh, saving project at five locations, which will be outlined later in this presentation. Uh, Briefly, a power purchase uh, agreement is where the city enters into an agreement with a third party, uh, a third party developer, in this case Forefront, who installs, owns, and operates an energy system on city property. Uh, The city will then uh, purchase the system's electric output for a 20-year period, and as a result, the city receives stable, low-cost electricity with no upfront cost. In this next slide, uh, entering into a power purchase agreement or five power purchase agreements because of the five locations, with the forefront, there are uh, many benefits to this that the city would uh, receive. Uh, For one, the city uh, uh, would not incur any upfront costs for the construction of the photovoltaic improvement. Uh, There are no rate increases over the life of the 20-year contract with purchasing solar power from forefront. The savings of the federal tax credit is then passed through in this particular scenario to the city. And then all operations, I just want to emphasize that, all operations and maintenance for the system is handled by Forefront, which ensures optimal performance. After 20 years, the city will have the option to conduct an appraisal of the system to consider purchasing the assets or extending the agreement or terminating the agreement. As you can see on the chart to the right of your screen, the chart demonstrates a 20-year period of savings under this PPA. The city will realize a reduction in Edison Electric billing while paying a stable PPA payment. The city is poised to save over $2.3 million over 20 years. And then the formula that we used assumes an increase of 4% in Edison rates each year. Now, please note, Edison rates over the past several years have ranged between 4% to 12% annually. So, our projected savings for this project, uh, uh, providing uh, savings to the city, is quite conservative. At this time, I want to hand over the remainder of the presentation to Ryan Gaylor, our Senior Project Manager, who will detail the five photovoltaic locations, including infrastructure readiness for 18 future electric vehicle charge stations.
14: Thank you. Good evening, Mayor and members of the Council. Uh, First location we want to look at is here at City Hall. Uh, The system is going to include four carport canopy structures and it's sized at 480 or 470 kilowatts. Uh, the improvements here are, will include a conduit for future electric vehicle charging stations, and it'll accommodate uh, 10 vehicles at a time at this location. Uh, next slide is the parking lot at uh, the Parkview Office Complex. Uh, there's going to be a single carport structure here that's sized at 180 kilowatts. The improvements to this site will include a conduit for EV charging stations that'll accommodate four vehicles at a time. Uh, Next slide is the canopy at uh, the Aquatic Center. This is a 345 kilowatt system and the structure, um, since the last time we presented this project, we shifted the structure away from the date Palm Grove so that the work here won't disturb um, the grove. In shifting the structure to the east, we're able to preserve 50 uh, date palms at this location. A structural will provide a shaded recreation area that could be used for a walking path and picnic tables. Um, If necessary, the area under the structure could be converted to additional parking. And if that was to happen, there's conduit available for four EV charging stations there. Um, At this location, the uh, system is expected to provide 100% energy offset for the Aquatic Center. Uh, this next location is, a we, we had two new locations and this is this is the first of two new locations. It's at the Entrada del Paseo area and this is a 133 kilowatt system. Um, this is a location where the city recently renewed a, a five-year lease with the Artist Center. And so any effects from this contract that may affect the tenant will be addressed. And the intent here is that the tenant will receive a prorated share of the benefit of the savings over the term of the lease. Uh, the final site, this is a new site as well. This is at the Desert Willow Academy just off Portola Avenue. Uh, it's gonna be a 266 kilowatt system that's supported by three canopy structures. There's uh, Public Works spoke with Derek White of, of Desert Willow and he supports this location for carports. Uh, next slide. Uh, This graph, if you look at the graph on the bottom, um, it demonstrates that the cost of power initially increases over the first few years with this program. Uh, However, the PPA rate that the city will pay for power coming from the PV system will remain constant over the 20-year term of the agreement. So as, as SCE raises their rates from anywhere from 4 to 12, even more percentage points per year, the city will still be paying a flat rate for the power that we obtain through the PPA. So the savings on this project don't come from a cheaper initial power rate. The savings come from paying a locked in rate that doesn't increase over time. In the next slide, uh, this shows some details about each system individually. Uh, All the locations fall within the desired range for energy offset, which is between 90 and 100%. Uh, Total system size for five locations combined is almost 1.4 megawatts. It also shows that the total estimated savings is around $2.4 million. This, again, is a conservative estimate. We expect to receive more than that on the basis that Southern California Edison rates over the last three years have exceeded 10%, and our projection is at 4%. Uh, One of the other benefits that can be seen on this slide, uh, but I want to focus on the fact that this project meets the goals of the city council priorities. Uh, Solar provider is responsible for the design, construction, and O&M for this system. Um, We don't have the staffing levels in-house to properly maintain all the components of these systems, so it'll it'll be nice to have um, the solar provider on hand to maintain the system in accordance with the um, contract. In addition, Forefront has agreed to use local labor to construct the systems, and this project will provide shading parking for about 300 vehicles. The next slide. To conclude, uh, the benef- the city benefited from a partnership with SPUR. They're the JPA that um, helped us out. They they issued their RFP statewide, and they selected Forefront Power from the most qualified solar companies in the state. Uh, we contracted with SAGE, who is an expert in the field of structure and PPAs, to go over the agreements with a fine-toothed comb. In addition, bb provided an expert to look at the agreements from a legal perspective. Um, with this project, time is of the essence. Uh, the program that SPUR used to set up, uh, that set up to assist us with acquiring renewable energy solutions, it's set to expire later this month on October 26th. In addition, the CPUC decision is is looming, where um, if, if their decision goes through, it'll make these projects economically unviable. Staff is recommending that the city council make a finding in the public hearing that this project will result in net savings over the life of the contract and approve the power purchase agreements with Forefront Power. I'm available to answer any questions, and we have representatives of SPUR, Forefront Power, and B, B, and K available to answer questions as well.
0: Thank you so much. So this is the time of for questions of staff and I see council member Nistandy, your hand is up.
3: Thank you. Uh, and this question is m- maybe for Mr. Gaylor or for the, the SPUR representative. It This, this uh, uh, project almost seems, or this contract almost seems too good to be true. That i'm thinking there must be a catch somewhere because to have no escalation clause over the whole term means there, there's no inflation trigger or there there isn't any any loophole that it, our cost truly stayed the same so i wanted to confirm that and then I'm, I'm i'm trying to understand how spur actually makes money then they're going to be selling our they must be assuming we're going to produce excess solar that they're going to take and then sell. So that's my second question. And what happens with the CPUC at the end of October that would make this not
0: economically feasible?
14: Actually, I would like to have Spur take care of these these questions.
0: Okay, Uh, what I'd like to do, if I could, is uh, see if there's any more questions of staff. And I see council member Kelly, your hand is up. Is this a question for staff?
4: Um, It's a straightforward question for SPUR also. You know what, then then let me go ahead and open the
0: uh, the public hearing so that the applicant can have questions asked. So we're gonna open it now. And um, then the applicant can answer your questions. And uh, provide any input they may need. So where do you, where uh, council member Kelly, why don't you go ahead and, and ask those questions?
4: Yes, I'm uh, uh, curious to know roughly how many projects uh, Forefront has done through uh, participants in the Spur uh, JPA because a uh, track record, it is always a good thing.
16: Hi, hello, this is Kevin Flanagan. I am a representative of SPUR, and I'm, I'm happy to answer those questions. Uh, would you like me to go ahead and answer those questions in the order they were asked?
0: If, if that's most convenient for you, absolutely.
16: All right, great. I'll do my best. Uh, and thank you for having us here tonight. I really appreciate it. Um, I think the first question was about the PPA rate, and I think the, the, the phrase that was used was, this seems too good to be true. Um, you know, it is really a great program, uh, the way that this has been structured. Um, it is true and correct that the PPA rate uh, will not go up over time. It is fixed and flat, uh, and the city is only obligated to buy the power that the system produces. So if these systems don't uh, produce and perform, Uh, the city is not obligated to buy any of the energy um, in the contract and there's also a performance guarantee so if these systems don't uh, produce the number of kilowatt hours that they're supposed to produce in a year um, that means that the city has to go out and buy more energy from edison Um, and so the contract has a mechanism in it where if forefront the vendor doesn't perform and produce the number of kilowatt hours that they're supposed to produce in a given year they actually have to pay a penalty to the city So it is a good program. Uh, Your understanding of the program is correct. Um, And I'm glad that you see it as a good deal. Um, I think the other, the next question was how does, how does SPUR benefit from this? So uh, SPUR is a joint powers authority. So we are a, a public agency that was created by other public agencies. And our, our sole mission as a public agency as a JPA is to develop piggybackable buying programs that help, public agencies reduce utility costs. So we have over 300 public agencies in our membership today across the state, uh, representing thousands of facilities. So we're a very large organization with very large buying power. Um, The members that are in our JPA don't pay a membership fee. Uh, The way that all of our buying programs work is that there is an administrative fee tied to the use of any of our various programs. And we uh, stipulate that administrative fee in the competitive solicitations that we conduct. So, for example, uh, for this particular program, um, the REAP program, and this is sort of consistent across all of our programs, really, is that we try to structure our administrative fees so that it's around 2 to 3% of project cost. And that project cost, like I said, is stipulated in the RFP documents. And Any public agency that utilizes the REAP program master contract, uh, SPUR earns an administrative fee from the winning vendor of the program. And so those administrative fees are really kind of how we as an organization uh, generate revenues to cover our overhead. We don't have a tax base. Um, You know, we we can't levy taxes or pass bonds. And so that's how we operate uh, as an organization. Um, I think there was a question about the Public Utilities Commission and and the proceeding that's going on there uh, regarding net metering. Um, Really what Ryan said is that the time is of the essence here. What the Public Utilities Commission is doing is revising the net metering rules for projects like this, as well as other projects on on residential systems as well. The new program rules that they're gonna be rolling out are gonna be less favorable for solar projects. Um, The good news though, and, and this is really the thing that staff has been focused on, the good news is that there's a mechanism whereby the city can be grandfathered on the existing net metering program, which is favorable for solar. And that grandfathering will last for 20 years, which by the way, matches the term of the PPA. And so that's really the goal here is to get the projects approved and then secure that grandfathering through submittal of an interconnection application to the utility in advance of those rules uh, uh, changing. And so that's really the goal here is to kind of get ahead of those rule changes, preserve the favorable rules for these projects and lock in the the savings that you've seen uh, presented to you tonight. Um, And then the last question I think was, what is our track record? And I'm really glad you asked that. Um, It's something that we're really proud of as a JPA. So the REAP program, uh, the, 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 the master contract that you would be piggybacking um, uh, as a part of this resolution has been used by over 61 other public agencies across the state. So it's been vetted by staff, vetted by legal, vetted by procurement over 61 times by other other public agencies. Uh, and, and in many of those public agencies, multiple phases of projects. Um, so other public agencies include you know, school districts, community college districts, uh, cities, uh, counties, um, as well as the state of California, is using the REAP program to 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 procure some projects for some of their facilities. So, um, 61 public agencies at, at hundreds of sites across the state. So, there is a strong track record there, and this is definitely not um, you're not a guinea pig trying something new. This is a tried and true procurement vehicle for for solar projects for public agencies in the state.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, Council members Kelly and the standard, do you feel you had your questions answered. Okay, I see mayor Pro Tems hand up.
9: Thank you mayor and I don't know uh, who wants to take my questions whether it's staff spur or forefront so I'll just ask him whoever wants to respond feel free. I'm trying to get my arms around the the, the legal and contractual relationship here. Um, we just heard from a representative of SPUR, that's the JPA, but JPA contracts uh, with Forefront Power. Who is the city of Palm Desert contracting with? Uh, city of Palm Desert is
14: going to be contracting with Forefront Power as well. Um, Sam, if you have more to input, i appreciate
11: it. Yeah, good evening council. I appreciate the opportunity to speak and it's great to meet you all. My name is Sam Zanzinger. Uh, I've been working uh, with the city uh, since uh, the beginning of this in early 2021. I think it's important um, councilman Jonathan that uh, we clarify our relationship. It, it, it's a great question. So the city will be contracting for these projects with Forefront Power, the solar developer. SPUR is the joint powers authority that ran the statewide competitive process. We were selected as the winning provider in that RFP. And the relationship with the city and SPUR is that the city is leveraging the competitive process to procure these.
9: Okay, and um, just to close the loop, the city will not have a direct relationship with SPUR, right? Because I don't see that we're being asked to join the JPA. Is that correct?
11: That's correct. You, as the city, are an eligible member to participate in the program. But you do not have to join SPUR to to benefit from the program.
9: Okay, and I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just saying in tonight's action, we're not addressing that. And we're certainly not joining the JPA. That's correct. Uh, So. Under the contract, and it's a 20-year contract with Forefront, correct? Um, Among other responsibilities, Forefront has a responsibility for the O&M, right? Operations and maintenance of the grid. So uh, I I certainly don't wanna cast aspersion on Forefront. If staff believes in you, I believe in you. But 20 years is a long time. What happens under the contract if Forefront goes goes away? And companies fail every day, as you know. Uh, Who is? How do we handle the O and M if Forefront is not there to do so?
11: Yeah, it's a great question. So, just a little bit of background: Forefront Power is a wholly owned subsidiary of a company called Mitsui. They are a massive, multi-billion-dollar energy conglomerate, um, multinational company. Um, you know, we're an A-rated uh, parent company, so we have a really stable parent company um, that has a really robust balance sheet that, that ensures that we're going to, to be able to honor the term of the contract. Um, but but it's, a, it's a great question, the operations and maintenance um, of the system. So contractually, um, you know, we have an obligation to obviously meet a certain level of production every year. Um, and that's, you know, if we, we miss that as Kevin from spur mentioned, we have to make the city whole, um, in the event in, in a crazy unlikely scenario that forefront were to, to go out of business, um, you know, there are step in rights with our financing parties, um, to, to, uh, step in again, take over the contract. Um, you know, they're going to have the same obligations under our performance guarantee, um, as Forefront would. So um, again, the the commitment and continuation of, of all of the terms uh, for O&M would be maintained.
9: Voluntarily by those uh, other entities in the event of failure.
11: I'm sorry, could you repeat the question?
9: There's no legal obligation for anyone else to step in should Forefront fail, correct? I mean, there may be other entities I heard you say that have the the right or ability to do do so, but they're not obligated to do so. Is that correct?
11: So the 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 financing parties have made a, a massive investment into the the infrastructure of these projects, and in order to make themselves whole, obviously we want to see these systems. They will want to see these systems perform, um, and so you know they do. Have a, a uh, you know, they do have the the incentive obviously to to step in and um, and make these projects hold.
9: Okay, I mean I, I understand your rationale that a lot of people want this to succeed. What I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, is that if it doesn't, worst case scenario, forefront fails, and there's no one there to replace the O and M obligation and the city would somehow have to contract that out or take care of it itself or whatever. I, as I understand it, there's no guarantee or bonding of operations and maintenance services from forefront from our, from this proposed contract. And and I'm not saying we shouldn't do it because of that. I just, I'm trying to get a a clear understanding. So is that understanding accurate?
11: So your, your question is whether there's a contractual obligation for for someone to step in and, and take over the, the obligation to, to meet the production maintenance. Is that right? Sure. So...
0: I, I do see our city attorney's hand up if you'd like to just uh, say yeah, something.
5: Just, I, and I'm not that familiar with the details of the contract, but the primary obligation of the contract is the city pays for the electricity. So if these things aren't being maintain, then the city stops paying basically. And and whoever finances this thing, you know, takes a big hit. So that's the incentive. The The real incentive for the maintenance is that if they're not maintained, they don't produce, the city doesn't pay, right? So it's kind of like yeah. a lot, of, anyhow.
9: No, I, I get all of that. I'm not, again, I'm not saying we shouldn't do it because of this. I just wanna be clear that that is a calculated risk, right? And if five years hence, forefront fails and nobody steps up to the plate then we're stuck with whatever the electric rates are at that time we're no longer getting the projected benefit of 2.3 million dollars or even higher that's all i'm saying i just want to make sure i'm not missing anything and i'm hearing that that that's correct
14: hi glenn you you looked at this from a legal perspective
17: could you weigh in yeah actually i mean if there's a bankruptcy or a default um what's what is going to happen just based on my experience and having seen sm- much smaller providers fail is the lenders do step in because they don't get their financing back unless okay. they get paid over the long term and they will step in they will take it over they will sell it to another energy company who will then have to come in and do the o and okay. so that's what's most likely to to occur
9: let's Are say they contractually obligated to do so
17: they're not contractually obligated. okay
9: okay that's but, all I can
17: yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah, but but if they don't, there are termination rights so we could terminate the agreement, we could require the system to be removed. Um, we could potentially buy out the system at that point and operate it ourselves if we felt the the system was still in good shape. It was just a matter that forefront through bankruptcy or some other reason was not operating it. Um there are remedies. Um you know, as you pointed out, though there's no guarantees under a contract. So if if everybody kind of went south on us, um, you know, there's the possibility that we would have to kind of start over with a new provider. Um, but what what would most likely occur is the the system would degrade over time, and we would not be getting the same amount of energy we would we were expecting. And you know, while while that's occurring, we would likely be um, terminating this agreement and going out and trying to find a new provider to come in and either take over or provide a new system.
9: Thank you Mr. Price I appreciate that clarification. Final question should be a lot quicker. Um and you you brought it up Glenn um in the event that the city cancels the contract with forefront or in the event that we reach the 20 year termination of the contract who has responsibility for removing um, the, the grid, the structure, uh, should the city wish to do so?
17: If the city does not exercise its buyout rights or, or does not, uh, exercise renewal terms, which are available, um, then forefront does have the obligation to remove the system. Thank you so
9: much. Thank you.
0: Okay. Thank you. And, um, Mr. Harper, is your hand is still up? Is that just not taken down or It was just not taken down. Okay, is there any further questions for the applicants? No, or any discussion? Would anyone else like to speak to this item, either in opposition or support? And I see no one, so I'll go ahead and close the public hearing. Um, Now, though it seems like we just did this, how about some (laughs) council comments? Are there any comments? Any discussion.
3: Well, I would make a motion to approve if there's no discussion.
0: Thank you. Is there a second?
4: Yes, I will second it. And uh looks like Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan has some discussion, so that's great. Okay, we I, have a motion and a second. Mayor
0: Pro Tem, please. Excuse me. I did want to say something. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, okay, I thought it was just a second, please. Uh, It's a
4: speaking second. Um, I want to, in the strongest and most enthusiastic terms possible, uh, commend staff from the top uh, to the bottom, each and every person who has worked on this. Because it's been a source of frustration to council members for some time uh, that we have non-functioning solar on top of some of our parking structures. And I so appreciate uh, the research to identify sperm, uh, which has connected us to a substantial track record. Um, Airport M. Jonathan has asked all the worst case scenario questions, which is helpful. For me, what's most helpful is to know that this is working well for 61 other public agencies. Uh, so, again, I so appreciate the research to get past initial obstacles. Uh, it passed maybe initial opportunities to really bring to us a well fought out approach.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, count, uh Mayor Pro Tem, please. Thank
9: you, Mayor. Uh, hey, I completely concur, and a huge shout out to staff. Um, for... So imaginatively and creatively uh, putting this forward. Uh, my favorite part of all this is that uh, the carbon-free power that we as a city will be using, uh, anything that we can do to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and help uh, the environment and mother earth, I'm a hundred percent for. So staff, thank you. Great, great job. Um, I, I do. The, the reason for my questioning is that I think is hopefully we'll do more of this in the future. Uh, and if so, I, I think, It's important to have an exit strategy because worst case scenarios do occur and we don't want the city holding the bag if we can avoid it. Uh, With developers, we use uh, bonding. I don't know, I I think SPUR can be helpful. They seem to have vast experience. If other cities or uh, entities have addressed this concern, maybe we can piggyback on their solutions. But I would never let that fear of a worst case scenario stand in the way of uh, what we're doing here tonight, which I think is tremendous. Staff, thank you again. Great job.
17: I could just jump in really quick to to maybe uh, add to that point. Um, I've done a lot of these for a lot of public agencies and cities, and um, there there really is no scenario I've seen where an agency is required bonding. And the reason for that is the bonding would then go into the rates. um, And so that would definitely increase the cost of your energy. Um, so I feel that I, you know the way the industry looks at it is the risk is low enough that it wouldn't justify the increase in rates that you would incur as a result of that kind of bonding. Um, I also just wanted to interject quickly that uh, we need to have the council first make a finding um, about the determination of the cost savings um, as has been kind of uh, reported in the staff report and then move on to uh, have a motion to approve the agreements. And that's required under government code 4217, which is the procurement mechanism that we're using uh,
4: to approve this. Yeah, I understood Councilmember Nascente's motion to embrace both. Uh, Do they have to be done separately? I
17: I would recommend they be done separately because it's a requirement of the government code. Um, So just so there's there's no technicalities, um, I, I recommend we do two separate motions.
3: Okay, so I rate, let's see, pr- I make a motion to approve the five power purchase agreements with Forefront Power for the Civic Center photovoltaic project, number
4: 777 14. Could I suggest that, is that what, what's being suggested, if we look at the recommendation paragraph, is that we start by moving item one item one okay and then we can move item two and three
3: there we go so i will follow up with uh, adopt a resolution finding that the projects will result in net cost savings to the city over the life of each 20-year contract and that the projects are st- statutorily exempt from sequa evaluation so we're going to approve number one first is that
0: correct i can. And Mr. Price, that satisfies the government code. Yes, it
1: does. Okay,
0: so we have a motion and a second on that. Can we have a roll call vote, please?
1: Mayor Pro Tem Jonathan. Aye. Councilmember Kelly. Yes. Councilmember Nastandi.
0: Yes. Mayor Harnick. Yes.
1: Motion passes four to zero.
0: Thank you so much. Okay, now we'll go to the second motion on this item. And uh, Councilmember Nastandi, did you wish to make that?
3: Okay, I make a motion to authorize the city manager to execute the power purchase agreements for photovoltaic systems at the Civic Center, Parkview Office Complex, the Aquatic Center, Entrada del Deseo, and the Desert Willow Academy, furthermore, authorizing the city manager to negotiate non-monetary changes and clarifications in the agreements in consultation with the city attorney as may be required to carry out the intent of the agreements.
0: Okay, great. And we have a motion in a second. So before we go to vote, I just uh, also want to thank the staff across the board. I know there were so many minds and hands in this process and, and you know how important it is to the council and for our community members. So I, I want to thank you all for your efforts. So we do have a motion and a second. Can we have a roll call vote? please?
1: Mayor Tem Jonathan. Aye. Council member Kelly. Yes. yes. Councilmember member Standy? Yes. Mayor Harding. Yes. Motion passes four to zero.
0: Okay. Are there any additional comments that anyone would like to make? I'm gonna make one really quick. Go see the artwork in the roundabout on MAG Falls. It looks outstanding. Uh, so everybody have a good evening. I see no other unfinished business meeting stands adjourned and we'll see you back October 27th. Thank you.
9: Good night, everyone.